1: Welcome to the Family Life Movement podcast.
0: Man, today we've got Greg Tosi. Greg works with entrepreneurs and small businesses to generate leads using Facebook
2: and Instagram.
1: Greg, welcome back to the podcast.
2: Hey, my pleasure. I'm so glad to be here with you guys. This is a ton of fun.
0: <laughs> oh man, thank you again for joining us. Greg, in our first podcast, you described your story. You talked about how you got away from the J-O-B, especially mentioned Dan Miller and and the different things that he does. He's a coach. He's awesome. He's somebody that we both know personally. Take us back to that time. Why did you have such a desire to work from home instead of working for the man?
2: Well, gosh, it was a number of things. I think having been in corporate America for a long time, just experiencing the bureaucracy and, you know, a lot of the a lot of the politics and things that, that come with, you know, larger companies nowadays, the lack of forward progress was really frustrating for me. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a creative and somebody who likes to build and, and, uh, you know, create things. And so for things to get stuck because of policies and bureaucracy and things like that, it was just, it led to a ton of frustration. And I really wanted to kind of, you know, make my own path. And the way to do that is by, you know, going out alone as an entrepreneur.
1: We understand completely that stress of working for someone else and wanting the freedom of choosing your spouse and children over work. um, What are some of the steps that you took to develop your own company and your own business?
2: Great question. So that took place over the course of probably five years and initially, and I think this is a problem a lot of entrepreneurs run into is, you know, what do I want to do? And so I started off doing WordPress, email marketing, facebook ads and probably three or four more things related to marketing because when we're starting out as entrepreneurs we think hey if we serve five or six or seven different niches that's more customers for us and it's really kind of the opposite you know if you're a jack of all trades and master of none or if you're spread so thin across a lot of different disciplines you people aren't really going to know you for who you are so it took a couple of years, you know, being in the online space to just niche down to one thing. And I picked Facebook ads. And as soon as I did that, people started to know, okay, Greg Tosi is the guy to go to for Facebook ads and business started to pick up. So I think, you know, first off, being intentional and picking a niche and really going in um, and, and going all in after one thing is is an important step there.
0: Man, I absolutely love that. I, I completely agree. and I completely resonate with that being uh, a master of none and 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 said we need to focus and funnel our niche down into that very specific that specific one thing. What are some other strategies you took when developing your game
2: plan once you chose freedom over your job? Well it's interesting um we're big Dave Ramsey fans so I think having left a a good paying, you know, 20-year corporate career we really started to plan out and look at finances i mean duh i guess everybody should if, if they're making the leap but shortly after we got married we decided to hit the dave ramsey plan hard and for anybody who doesn't know who he is he's kind of like a finance guru but he has a very specific plan in a book called total money makeover that teaches you you know some pretty specific steps so we got out of debt the next thing we did after that is we said okay let's lower our standard of living a little bit you know we're in a we live in a society of people who are constantly upgrading constantly buying cars we can't afford to impress people we don't know or whatever the saying is you know to impress people we don't even know and and everybody's in debt up to their eyeballs so we said we're going to get out of debt we're going to lower our standard of living because let me just throw out some sample numbers if your cost of living is $8000 a month or your standard of living is that it's it's a whole lot harder to jump from a day job and maintain that than if you whittle your standard living down to $4,000 a month. So from a practical standpoint, we just got frugal. You know, Dave Ramsey says, you know, when the tide goes out, it's going to be clear who's skinny dipping. You know, in other words, you know, people who are are faking it, you know, the fake gurus driving driving the BMWs who are really broke, you know, those people are going to be exposed. So I think it's prudent just from a family standpoint and just a wisdom standpoint to know that, like, you know, we should make, we should have a big emergency fund for this. We set aside a year of savings when I did it. We also lowered our standard of living. So we knew we could navigate some of the ups and downs that come with irregular paychecks and entrepreneurship. So long answer to a short question, but that's what we did.
1: That That's great to have that. I mean, a, a year's worth of savings is actually more than I would have imagined, but it makes so much sense. <laughs> um, now that you had your game pay, game plan, how did you have the time to find the time to work on your business while working and enjoying your family as well.
2: You know, that, that ties into some of the questions we talked about on the last episode as it relates to communication with your spouse. So my wife knew all along that my dream was to be an entrepreneur and she knew that ultimately my goal and a big part of that goal was not just to do work. I love, but to have more time with them. So she was very supportive. With that said, we knew there was going to be about a year. That was a total grind, you know, I was working 5 a.m. to 7 a.m., you know, three mornings a week and then 7 to 10, at least three nights a week. We knew that there was going to be some family time that was sacrificed in the evenings, but we set a time block on it. We said we're going to do this for a year. It ended up being nine months, I think. But we said we're going to do it for a year tops. If I haven't scaled this enough to make the jump by then, we're going to go, you know, pick a different plan or something. In other words, we knew that there was going to be a time of condensed like um, or intense, you know, like extra work. Um, a little bit less family time, but it was a short-term sacrifice for a long-term goal.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I absolutely love that. You know, there's people right now listening to your story. They've heard the first podcast and they've heard that you're now working on your dream job now 100% of the time. You have family time. You have a, a chance to hang out with your your two boys. You're, you, you know, you've got an awesome marriage and they're sitting there and they're thinking, wow, that's really awesome for Greg, but I could never
2: do something like that. I don't have the time. What would you say to these people? Well, anybody who has said that, you know, immediately has disqualified them in their mind from doing it. And I think, I think 75% of the mindset talk out on the internet, you know, is a little bit, uh, how how do I say this? I think a little woo woo, (laughs) you know, but but the fact that somebody would say right away that must be nice for Greg. There's no way I could do that. You've immediately disqualified yourself in your mind. So I think I think you know kind of speaking those words to yourself puts you at a disadvantage. And the way I explain mindset to people, you know, is um, you know fixed mindset versus growth mindset. And this is an original to me. You know, there's people who have written about it. Um, you know, a fixed mindset says, okay, I am where I am because my knowledge, my giftings are limited. Whereas a growth mindset says, okay. I have the ability to grow my giftings and my abilities and change my circumstances for myself. So to the person who said what you said, you know, must be nice for Greg. I don't know how I would find the time to do that. I would tell them to just take a small shift and say, I'm going to try to find the time to do that. Not say I'm going to do that, but even that small intermediate step right there and just leave the possibility open. I think that small shift in mindset will you know, set them up for some good possibilities.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. You know, you mentioned Dan Miller on the other podcast and he's got this thing where if you set aside 15 hours a day, and I would even say, or a week, 15 hours a week, not a day, a week. <laughs> uh, you know, if you can set aside, it, it start by setting, setting aside an hour a week and start with an hour. Say, I'm going to work one hour on business. Set aside that time, plan for it, exactly what you're saying and and work on it. Once you've got that, Multiply. Hey, okay. Now I've got the one hour down. I'm going to find two hours this week. You can divide it up, but just start small. It's not something where you'll have to pour in and have everything figured out in one setting, one location. And I think that's where a lot of people get that mindset from is I have to climb Mount Everest today, right now.
2: And that's not what you're saying, right? correct correct and something you said i think just really strikes a chord for me start you just got to start and and this isn't just for people who haven't made the leap yet it's for people in in process and people you know who are full time like i am like we all buy so many courses mm-hmm. online courses we never finish them and we never implement what they say we need to spend 80% of our time implementing and starting and doing like you said and maybe maybe knock the knowledge intake down to 20% because we have an infinite amount of knowledge uh, available to us, and resources available, us, available to us today, but nobody's executing on it. at Well, few people are executing on it at the level they need to, and I'm not one of them. I've got a lot of work in that department, too.
1: Yeah, yeah you have to take action to actually go anywhere.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Um, so how were you intentional on working on your business when you were tired, worn out, kids were sick, or you didn't feel like working on things? Um, and especially when you weren't feeling like you were making any progress.
2: I or think just, knowing, yeah, I think <laughs> just, just, you know, but while I was still kind of doing the side business, I think knowing what the end goal was and, and certainly there was more flexibility than, you know, to take, take a sick day and stuff like that. I don't, I don't have sick days now. Right. I'll be working Wednesday and, and Friday this week. Um, tomorrow's Thanksgiving at the time that we're recording this, I will take that day off, but uh, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people glamorize entrepreneurship and, and I want to I want to talk a little bit about the tough stuff too because the cheese balls that take pictures in front of mansions they don't own and ferraris that they rent are people that you know give this a false name and I think we need to we we need to talk about them a little bit too because you know everybody says be your own boss I have 10 bosses right now and I love 9 of them but it's tough I have 10 people I'm accountable to not one um you know like like in corporate so I think I rabbit trailed there a little bit yeah, it's okay. <laughs> no, I think I think
0: that's a great point, you know. Uh Dan Miller, one of his podcasts, was talking about how uh you know what makes more sense. And I can't remember exactly when this podcast went on, but you can have one person who's working, you know, nine to five and they've got one boss. That one boss can let them go. And I love this transition about being your own boss because then it's not you're completely free and you don't have any bosses, but you have 10 bosses now. Mm-hmm. It does give you some more flexibility and stuff. If one of them would happen to let you go, then you can always go out and you know essentially kind of get a new boss. But I think it's essential to understand this idea of um, you know making sure you've got progress and you've got the, the angle in mind. You've got to make sure that you continue going forward.
1: Can I clarify
2: something? When you say 10 bosses, you're talking about your clients,
1: right? Yes. (laughs) I'm sorry, I just was like, I'm not sure I understand this yet.
2: (laughs) Nope, it's true, it's true. I I thought of something and I I lost it from what you said.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So you talked about your decision to work hard, working on your business, Uh, while you're still working, let's talk about quitting time. How did you know when it was time to walk away? You talked a little bit earlier about, you know, you had a year's worth of finances. You've, you've bundled down a little bit. You're not living off the $8,000 worth of expenses, stuff like that. You have, you know, you have an emergency fund that covers an entire year. What else did, how else did you prepare yourself to walk away from your full-time job?
2: So, First and foremost, I surrounded myself with some mentors that had gone down the path ahead of me because people like that can foresee things that you can't because you haven't done it. So that was first and foremost. The second thing was identifying a clear trend. So I looked at the last 8 to 12 months of my business and made sure the, the, line, the chart was going upward. So there was consistent upward trajectory there. The other thing for me, I wanted to have consistent 50% of what, what my future, you know, base revenue, I wanted to be my safe number. Um, I wanted to see 50% of that. Cause I knew if I could get 50% of that working part-time when I have 45 new hours given to me, I'm going to blow by that with no problem. So those were really the, the three main things that I, I looked for ahead of time.
1: I, I, okay. So those were like good, like numbers, qualifiers, are there any, anything that you needed to do mentally to prepare yourself to make that jump?
2: Oh my gosh, <laughs> that that's that's a great question. Gosh, there's so many things. It, it's the scariest thing I've ever done. So I had a really really good pay. I was a software developer. You know, I had a really good paying job. Um, corporate was really the only thing I knew. Had great health benefits, and walking away from that to go to a high deductible insurance plan and paychecks that were, um, you know, up and down, um, irregular. They don't come every two weeks. Sometimes they come four times in a week. Sometimes they come twice a month. Um, I don't think there's anything that can prepare you to that. And, you know, I'm in a mastermind that some people further down the road than I were coaching me on that. And, you know, they're like, you're ready, you're ready. They told me I was ready January 1st. I didn't leave until April 15th. My wife wanted me to leave January 1st. But there's just something about making that leap that you can't prepare for because it's a scary thing when that's all you've known is a regular JOB. after the fact is a whole nother story too. It's 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 all mindset and it's all mental. Um, August was a very slow month for me. Um, I, I hit 50% of what my budget was. And so that was really scary for us. I come to find out talking to other entrepreneurs that generally the back to school time is a, is a little slow for everybody. Um, so just navigating stuff like that, but it's it's scary. It requires an entire different kind of mindset. And I think most of the stuff that I dealt with just comes baptism by fire. You got to walk through it yourself. It's kind of like a rite of passage, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. It's an adventure. It's so exhilarating. It's scary as heck, but I'm in charge of uh, you know my, my own destiny and I'm the captain of the ship. And gosh, if I have a slow month, I'm going to run some Facebook ads to myself. I'm going to market a little bit more. I'm the marketing department. I'm the sales department. I'm customer service. I'm, you know, everything and 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 that's one of the daunting things and wonderful things about being an entrepreneur i don't have to be locked in the bureaucracy of being in it in corporate and if i have a great idea for marketing they shut it down because i have no access to the marketing department or the marketing department doesn't think a software developer could ever come up with a good idea that's the beauty of entrepreneurship i've got reins on everything i can i can launch a campaign tomorrow if i want i can fire myself tomorrow from a sales position if i want If it's up to me, if it's meant to be, it's up to me, you know?
0: Man, I love that. That's uh, something uh, one, of, one of my coaches, uh, a guy by the name of Alan Thomas, uh, has told me, and, and I've used that specifically about weight loss. And it sounds like <clears throat> leaving your full-time job is a lot like any of these massive goals and you know, getting married. You know what? You don't know what the other side of that's going to look like. You don't know. You know what you don't know. You, you know, when you start having kids or when, your wife's pregnant with the second, third, fourth, fifth. You know, it's. <laughs> uh, Justin's over here getting ideas. Um, but it sounds like it's one of those things that you you need to prepare for as much as you can. But at the same time, you cannot completely compare for the awesomeness and the mm-hmm. fear and the struggles and the triumphs
2: that you are going to that you're going to endure. Yeah. Absolutely. And and I don't want to come across as bashing corporate because I think it's, it, it wasn't a fit for me. And that's my fault. That's not my former employer's fault. Um, yeah. It's my fault that I stayed around as long as I did. Um, and I think corporate is perfectly viable for some people, but if you're an entrepreneur and you know that in your heart and you're stuck in this environment that doesn't allow you to creatively express yourself, it is, um, it is like, like kind of like a prison, you know, we, we live in a society and and you hear the the statistics 80% of people don't like their jobs but people yep. stay there because they're secure and gosh the older i get you know it, it's like i want to feel alive you know i want to live an adventure i want to do something that matters and i want to i want to make a mark and for me entrepreneurship is the best way to do that it's the best way to have an impact it's the best way to reach people you know things like podcasts like this you guys could have listeners in china or Mexico or Brazil or, you know, I don't know, Toronto. I'm just, (laughs) you know, random cities. But but the fact that, you know, we are working and living and creating content in an industry that has instant global reach, like that is exciting. That is exciting. Being stuck in a cubicle under neon lights, doing a job you hate is hell. It's torture, you know, And, and it's on you. And I'm saying this to me, but it's on you to get out there, you know, if you're, if you're miserable there and you're not doing anything about it, shame on you. If you're miserable and you're starting to make a plan and take some action, cool, you know, link up with people, listen to this podcast, listen to 48 days, go to my website and, you know, email me and I'll encourage you. But you know, there is a path out, you know, and if you want impact and influence and honestly, unlimited earning potential, this is the route to go. It's there for the taking, you know, do what makes you come alive. This entrepreneurship thing, scariest thing I've ever done, but I feel alive for the first time in a long time. And I want that for other people.
0: Man, that's awesome. I absolutely love it. So yeah, you wake up, you've got two kids, uh, you're working, you're doing the entrepreneurship thing, you're pouring yourself into the, the, your marriage and different things like that. And we know that that can, that can wear people down, wear people out. So what is your current morning routine that you make sure that you do that way? You can stay full of energy and you're ready for the day.
2: Well, let's see. I get up about 530 in the morning and then I will read and drink coffee. I'll read the Bible a little bit. The most, the number one best-selling book of all time for good reason. I'll read that, get my inspiration. Um, then I eat a bowl of Fruit Loops. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, then I, I, I would like to say, you know, I, I do stretching or, or work out early in the morning, but I don't, um, you know, just getting up and reading, have some quiet time and then having some coffee uh, with my wife before the kids get up. Um, that's that's really important. I avoid electronics in the morning, um, not always perfect on that, but I think getting that input of you know social media or the news or you know the major news networks first thing in the morning, there's statistics that can say that that will cause some negative feelings and some some weird stuff um, if you do that. So um, again, we cite Dan a lot in this, you know, not only because he's a friend of both of ours but because he's a wonderfully uh, gifted and generous and brilliant person. You know, he says protect the first hour of the day. That's what I try to do. I,
1: I like the idea of protecting that first hour of the day. That's hard to do with small children <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. Um, so you, um, specialize in the Facebook and Instagram ads. Uh, most of us see an ad and think it looks easy. What are some things that we should be thinking about before we start doing ads?
2: This is what I tell people about Facebook ads because I get a lot of people asking me to run ads to their stuff, whether it's an online course or a membership site, or even though I do work with local businesses, your product or your thing needs to be growing organically before you run Facebook ads to it. And that's the mistake most people make. I always say that um, your product is the plant. Facebook ads is the fertilizer. If your plant isn't growing on its own and showing some signs of life and getting organic. Um, interest, Facebook ads aren't going to do anything for it. So that's, that's the first step. There's a whole lot more that goes into Facebook ads too. I mean, another thing I learned early on, and this is what I tell people who are just starting out on Facebook ads, your Facebook ads campaign can fail and it can, it can be the fault of the Facebook ads, but there's so many other pieces to it. The funnel, the hook, the offer, you know, the price point, there's a dozen variables that go into a successful, um, ads campaign and, and successful product launch. So it's a very, very complex, well oiled machine when it's running correctly.
0: Yeah, I completely understand that. There's some great nuggets in there. Uh, what does it take to put an ad out there to make somebody? So you just said it takes, you know, it's a well oiled machine. There's a lot of moving parts and stuff like that. So what does it take to put an ad out there
2: to make people want to click on your product and learn more about it? So I think the most important thing, well, there's, there's several important parts. Um, you can have the best image, um, the best copy, the best video, the best hook. If it goes to the wrong audience, nothing else matters. So audience research is something I do with clients. It's a two page intake form that I send to them and they hate me when they get it. Cause I ask for, you know, 10 answers on each of the 10 different questions, but I want to figure out what websites do they go to? Who are their gurus? Who do they follow? What do they read? Where do they shop? you try to get as holistic a profile of who that ideal person is. And then from there we go in and I'll create, you know, five different test audiences because especially if it's a brand new Facebook account where they don't have any history of advertising, you know, we're going to need to iterate through and and test different audiences to see who's responding to what their offer is. So, and then of course, the quality of the image, the video, we need to have a good offer, good headline stuff like that plays a key part as well.
1: Um. (laughs) Take us through the anatomy of a Facebook or Instagram ad engagement.
2: Gotcha. So there's a ton of different things that go into it. And, you know, I I know this is in reference to a blog post that I had. So really the intake and the interview process, um, you know, is where I start with a client. What are they offering? What is their objective? Are they just looking for brand awareness? Are they launching a product? Are they trying to sell something? And that's where I really go into who is your ideal customer? Where do they hang out? What pages do they follow? The second big piece of that is the audience research. So plugging that into some internal tools that Facebook has I also do some Amazon research and I'll do some research on Google as well. The next thing, um, and, the next thing is funnel building and setup so setting up the facebook pixel and a lot of the tracking mechanisms that go with a facebook ads campaign making sure the funnel is running end to end and it can be a simple funnel if it's just a lead magnet ads we're sending to a landing page when they subscribe and click over to the thank you page we're recording that as a conversion if it's you know a, lar- a larger you know product funnel it can get a lot more complex than that um, Testing is a big part of it. It's an iterative process where we test different audiences, we test different images, test different copy. You'd be surprised what little change to a Facebook ad really moves the needle as far as how people are responding. There's some crazy science behind the copy and even colors and things like that um, that, that can make or break Facebook ads. And then you know, finally, you know, launching into the production phase where we've kind of whittled out the audiences that aren't, aren't working and we've got some ads that are, are working well. They've somewhat, sta- you know, stabilized and 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 are behaving. Um, but you know, it, in the Facebook world, there's somebody asked me, you know, once you get ads out there, isn't it you can just let them go and run by themselves? And I'm like, heck no. Um, there there are days that you know, ads that are converting very very well will all of a sudden drop off the map, and you got to go in and troubleshoot and figure out what's going on. Um, Facebook is a very interesting platform, and they get more and more stringent about. Um, you know, the wording of ads. You got to make sure you're not promising any specific uh, monetary benefits or anything. And they're very, very touchy about any words that might trigger people. Ads can get disapproved for that. Ad accounts can get banned um, if uh, I, have, I have, you know, some real estate clients and their ad account has erroneously got banned because, you know, Facebook goes out and scans for keywords that have anything to do with money. So, all that to say, a Facebook ads campaign is quite involved and um, it's never a hands-off operation.
0: Well, and I think that's, a, that's the reason why it's so important to have somebody like Greg who can go in there, he knows the rules, he knows what's going on, he knows what Facebook's looking for, he knows what Instagram's looking for. And this is the reason why you need someone, you need an ads manager who can come in, really get behind you, do some of the copy for you, do some of the pictures, the color psychology, and all that good fun stuff, get the research done, That way you can truly go in and grow your business. That way you can get away from the J-O-B and work from home, enjoy your family a little bit more.
1: Uh, Yeah, clearly I'm not the person to ask any questions about Facebook ads. Um, Where can people go to learn more about you and your business?
2: Yeah, simply go to gregtosi.com. I've got some free resources there and you can find uh, information about what I do, why I do it. And um, yeah, that's the best place to track me down.
0: Uh, it is, uh, getting late. You can, uh, a little bit of slap happiness here going on, but Hey, you know what? This is all about family. This is all about starting your own business and this kind of stuff happens. So you got to love it. So
2: Greg, what are some of your favorite business resources? Oh goodness gracious. Favorite business resources. Um, you know, just, just podcasts. I'll be pretty vague on that. Again, I'm going to say Dan Miller's podcast. I'm trying to think who else I'm listening to. I listened to some specific to, to Facebook ads that would probably uh, bore anybody who's not um, an (laughs) advertiser. Um, Yeah. So I, I, you know, the key again, being, you know, ingesting a little bit of content, but making sure you're, you're creating and executing. So I absolutely love that.
1: All right. Thank you for joining us, Greg. And thank you for all your valuable information. I really appreciate it.
2: Thank you guys. This has been the most fun I've had on a podcast interview. It's good. It's nice and fun and relaxed.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm over here. Real life here.
2: (laughs) I thank you again for
0: joining us. Hope everyone has a phenomenal evening.
1: Thank you for listening to the family life movement podcast. I hope you had as much fun as we did. To hear our thoughts on the podcast and to continue this conversation, join our free Facebook group by searching for the Family Life Movement. See the show notes for links to our guests' social media and websites, and any resources that were mentioned will also be linked in the show notes.
0: Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please go rate and review and send us a screenshot and we will send you a special access gift. Join us next time for more conversations, tips, and tricks on growing your business around your family.
1: Thanks for joining us and have a great day.